2: We are back! I'm Jasper William Cartwright.
1: And I'm Leandro Natti-Lewis-Niao, but everybody calls me onati
0: And I'm Jeremy Cobb, but some people call me Jay Diddy.
2: <laughs> and we are the three black halflings.
0: Do, 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 do. <laughs> no! You will
2: come to terms with your own weakness. Old Prince vibe? on <laughs> your Hey, yeah! right, that's a different kind of nursery rhyme right like You now. think this is just a game? I, and lead. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't say what it was leaking. We're about to get into something real big now. So uh, we're back for another episode. I wanted to start the show uh, with a few quick shout outs because there has been some amazing reactions within the community towards our show. Mm -hmm. Um, All of the folks... At Dice Popular, uh, you guys have been awesome sharing all of our stuff, so thank you so much. Thank we you. really, really appreciate it. Um, it's a really cool show, by the way. Dice Popular, you guys should check it out. Um, it's uh, it's a campaign where they have five different DMs, uh, and they kind of rotate through five different DMs. I I've only just started it, and That's I'm amazing. fascinated. Yeah. To, yeah, exactly. I'm wow. fascinated to know how uh, this pans out. Uh, a really cool and novel idea. So make sure you check it out, Dice uh, Popular. You can. Follow them uh, on Twitter as well, uh, and then the second shout out was to Ariadna uh, Bellathorn, who uh, did us a drawing of uh, the goddess Oshun yeah. after she was yeah. inspired by Unati, and it is beautiful. Oh, really? it's I great. cannot believe. We literally joked about having fan art in episode three, and someone came through. I was, oh, it was beautiful. It looks so good. Uh, yeah, it does it really look does. really beautiful. It really it's on our Pinterest. Um, the Pinterest is all over our Twitter, it's also in the show notes. So make sure you head over if you want to see uh, that. Uh, there's also a link as well in there where you can follow uh, Ariadna's work because uh, it is amazing. Um, I thought as well we would dive in. There's, someone has left us a question on our Twitter. Uh, yeah. I asked us some questions, and uh, someone has asked us a question. Uh, which we are definitely going to cover, sort of a lot more in a separate episode. But I thought we could do a quick response to it now, um, which is uh, that uh, this was from Ryan uh, Mossbarger, who is uh, from Dice Popular, uh, uh, oh. aforementioned Dice Popular, oh. um, and he said, "I'd love to know your thoughts and process on character and NPC creation and how they mold, the, uh, how you mold your campaigns around your players." Uh, so, we're going to obviously get into this when me and Jeremy dig into our um, planning a session, our DMing uh, things. But I thought if there's any just quick fire thoughts that you had in response to that question, it'd be great mm. to them out. Maybe Why don't you start us off, Jeremy, if there's anything...
0: Yeah, um, I think one thing is to look at your character's background and see things that may or may not be interesting in there to to bring in uh, as, as a potential NPC. So... In one campaign that I did, there was a Duergar dwarf who had never met any other Duergar before. So for me, it was like immediately uh, an interesting route to go to actually introduce some and have her actually meet some of her people and see what their culture was like and see how she felt about it. That would be one thing. Um, Another thing Mm -hmm. is if, I mean, sometimes you'll have players give you specific NPCs in their backstory, like if they have a family yep. or something like that. Yeah. And I think in a case like that, you should, in some cases, I think it can actually be helpful to talk to the player about what their character's relationship to the parents is, mm-hmm. and uh, or other family members, and to create the family members along with the player. Uh, but it can also be, uh, depending on the player uh, DM relationship of the player in question, just as much fun to create those people kind of independent from the player it a lot of it i think depends on the relationship that the pc has with the npc so if the if the pc knows the npc well then it would be a good idea to create them with the uh create the npc with the p with the actual player but if the pc doesn't actually have a clear idea of who the npc is then i think it's you can go uh crazy and have free reign
2: yeah uh I think that's I think it's really nice I was just going to throw out that I quite enjoy uh i like, almost like mold uh things uh to sort of fit uh, uh so if i've got a world i've created i've got ideas of cities and places like this and if i've got an idea of like maybe a specific, specific town uh then a, a pc comes to me with their backstory and i go oh that town's actually very similar to something i've already created i can kind of put the two together and then i just find i have then a really deep uh a deeper history of that town or or the inhabitants within it um and then to your point as well about just talking to them i quite like talking to my pcs getting them to tell me like to for them to describe the setting because what i really enjoy doing is that when the pc then maybe goes to their hometown is i say oh do you want to describe your town or do you want to describe your bedroom or do you want to describe what Mm -hmm. your house looks like i just think it gives them a really nice way to invest um personally uh, and generally, if as long as I trust my players as a DM, um, which I would say is a big thing, make sure you trust your players yeah. uh, as a DM, because otherwise they start throwing in like, oh, I walk into my house and I've got these legendary weapons on the wall. Like, oh, no, 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 you don't. <laughs> um, yeah. You know, they are, in fact, portraits of Famous legendary
0: weapons. Yes, yes. Yes. Yeah, that is
2: exactly... Yes, exactly. That is exactly it. Um, So make sure you trust them. But I think generally giving them some sort of free reign to describe how their environment and their world looks like just is another way to really root and cement player... um, being in players being invested and then also if you then have to if that um you then mess with that place it can really breed some uh kind of emotional reaction and some like Mm. desire to 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 do something or act um and i think that's really fascinating Mm. Yeah. yeah
0: Yeah, uh, speaking to that point, Jasper, one of the—there was a location, it's like a druid commune, uh, and one of the players had kind of gotten—I had kind of created the backstory a little bit with that player, so that when we went there, she was was filled with such joy Mm. through the entire process of everybody getting to explore the place, and she was—and all of these characters showing up that we had talked about previously— she and I uh, and the rest of the party getting to meet them uh, The there was so much pride mm. emanating from and like just glee That's so emanating nice. from her through that whole yeah yes. it was a really nice uh, really nice experience yeah, that- yeah. so then I then I killed all the NPCs yeah exactly naturally uh, as the <laughs> DM you oh, killed the NPCs yes, uh, yes. Yes, I'm, going
1: to uh, I'm just joking
0: they're still alive I'm joking they're still alive no uh, but barely but for barely. now
2: yeah,
1: for they, now
0: um, yeah. yeah well okay barely. cool
1: well thank you for the tip I am most Definitely going to kill all the NPCs of my enemies, and they all die. <laughs>
2: um, <laughs> but no, legit. It, it, it then it then is one of those things where if suddenly you subvert uh, some like uh, uh, the PCs expectations of those places as well, it's just another thing where it really. It really, I think it really adds to the PC feeling like they are molding the world. I think that's always a big thing that I find, is a lot of PCs don't realize just how much they're molding the world oh. uh, around mm. them and how their actions are changing my thoughts and processes about the world all the time. Okay. Um, I ran a session last night uh, with you, Jeremy, and there is some huge repercussions of some of the things that you did (laughs) last night and we will and i'm very excited for you to see how that pans out uh and i will i will tell you all at a later point but i don't want to give any spoilers away to my players uh who i know listen to the show uh but or or, who are on the show (laughs) um but i will definitely divulge more of that uh, at a point can we can we say what i did or would that be too much? Uh, I I think well, I'm gonna save that for like a separate tales from the okay, table cool. uh, section. I think I just okay. wanna I I want to sort of give the whole when we've sort of got a bit more of a uh an idea about the whole thing. I want to give it as a as a as a one story because I think it's quite a nice succinct yeah. thing to uh <laughs> to talk about. Um, <laughs> Uh, I thought we'd kick off, um, well, I think going forward, I'd like to kick off every episode with a tales from the table, uh, just because I think people really enjoy these. I really enjoy talking about them. Uh, So just a fun little story about something that happened. Uh, We had Slapgate with Unati uh, in the last uh, episode, which I really enjoyed (laughs) listening back to. Uh, And so I thought maybe, Jeremy, you could uh, kick us off with a a tale from the table if you have one uh, that springs to mind.
0: Yes, I do. Uh, so there, this kind of is two separate table tales from the table. There are tales from two separate tables, but it was players running through essentially the same scenario. Jasper, Uh you were in one of these. It was Uh the very first session that we ever did. Where no you guys, it was when you guys were in the forest and Phylock, in your case he was a little elf, in the other game he was a little <laughs> minotaur, had <laughs> led you through the forest trying to get you to his village and had gotten you lost. And you mm. were trying to camp out in the woods I that evening. Yep. <laughs> and you were attacked by a swarm of bats. Oh. And both <laughs> bats. times I have played this scenario, these are level one characters. For whatever reason, these bats are an absolute nightmare. Yeah. Yep. for these players to have to fight. Uh, the very first time, the, <laughs> the very first time, most of the characters were asleep, these bats fly in, they start attacking. The Minotaur stands up, grabs the gnome, and screams at her to wake up. She wakes up. She grabs her, her pet hawk, Dahlia, and throws it off towards the bats to try and have it attack, then pulls out her bow to uh, aim an arrow, fires rolls a natural 1 <gasps> nails dahlia just oh. ah, she falls to the ground the minotaur then throws the gnome at the bats to oh. attempt to kill the bats uh, i'm pretty sure he knocked her out when he did that oh. um uh, meanwhile uh in little phylock was trying desperately to fight against these bats he goes down the, the Minotaur ultimately manages to kill the bats by sticking his sword into the bats into the swarm of bats and rolling them up like spaghetti like you would he basically rolls his <laughs> sword like you'd use a fork to roll up spaghetti oh, uh, creates bats bat Getty and Bat-getti. kills all of the kills all of the bats then poor little Phylock is bleeding out on the ground he's failing his death saves and the Minotaur rather than use any the the, the Druid didn't use any healing magic what happened was the Minotaur picked him up and rolled a natural 20 to scream at him so loud that he came back to life. So he picked him up and then screamed the word. He was so disgusted with this little pathetic tiny Minotaur that didn't meet his standards for what a Minotaur should be that he screamed the word disgrace so loud that it revived. He just, Disgrace! And pulled the guy back from the... from the edge of death uh meanwhile when you guys (laughs) meanwhile when you guys jasper fought it uh, i think you had the most fun in that one because uh, did i did i (laughs) (laughs) you had camped out in a tree i believe you had you had climbed a tree and were sleeping in the tree and i think the bats (laughs) came around you right Uh, initially yep yeah and then you attempted to like tie a rope to the tree and swing down yep If I remember correctly, you rolled a two? Nope. Was it a two? I rolled a one. I rolled a one. You rolled a one, (laughs) fully fell out of the tree about 20, 30 feet, Mm -hmm. smacked on the ground. Then in your game, Phylock had attempted to run and try and attack the bats. His initial run, he ran and tripped over you. Mm -hmm. Then he like got back up. He rolled like really high. He rolled, I think he may have even rolled a natural 20 to like run and do this incredible parkour move. Yep. Uh, and then I looked at his stats, and he, like, elbowed one of the bats as hard as he could. I realized that his his strength was, I think, a minus two. Yeah. Yeah, his (laughs) his unarmed strike did zero damage. So even though it was a critical, it literally did nothing (laughs) to a bat. He just... (laughs) (laughs) And then the bat just kind of stares at him, and he's... Oh no <laughs> uh, Yeah um, it was
2: Yeah I remember that Because the thing is It's become a running theme as well Of my character then <laughs> That trees are my are, Well my character's nemesis Whenever I went up a tree It only ever went badly In a recent yep. a recent game I was attacked by a parrot in a tree Yeah uh, I'm going to tell that in a future yeah, story Yeah well there you <laughs> go we can, we can get to the parrot later <laughs> but, yeah. Wow Just stay just, yeah. d- Don't climb trees I was an air genasi I thought it's fine I can levitate if I get into hot water <laughs> i <it'll> would be fine <laughs> ah dear, yeah. dear 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 level one characters guys mm. who'd want them who'd do them um mm. awesome thank you for that story jeremy uh, that was great fun uh we are going to dive into some uh incredible articles this week uh one part one in particular uh by a man named james mendez Hodas. uh the links will be in the show description uh, so please go ahead and check those out. Uh, they are titled Orcs, Britons and the Martial Race Myth. Um, there is so much to discuss, so we're probably going to split this up into a part one, part two uh, for a, a, a an upcoming episode uh, for part two. Um, and I would just like to preface this by saying that our discussions are about learning and growing. Uh, we are doing the same thing right along with you our listeners Uh, so we may well get things wrong but we are coming from a place of love and acceptance as we think there is far too much hate in the world right now so if you find yourself having a hateful reaction to this show then perhaps this isn't the show for you but that does not mean that we do not encourage discussion as discussion is the lifeblood of progress So let's go ahead and dive into these incredible articles written by James. Uh, They were written in 2019 uh, and they cover the racist origins, nature and ramification of orcs within Tolkien's Middle-earth fantasy setting. Um... I just wanted to give a little uh, sort of trigger warning at the top here. Um, we fully understand uh, halflings, fellow halflings, that the the world at the moment is a little bit crazy. Uh, and so if you hear the title of this and you think, Do you know what, I just don't know if this is for me. Uh, today, um, we encourage you to look after yourselves. Obviously, we want you to listen to the show and enjoy it. We try to keep it lighthearted and fun, but we completely understand that sometimes you just need a little, take a little step back and uh, take a little nap for yourself. And that's absolutely OK. Um, so just wanted to put a little content warning at the top that this um, the articles themselves cover racism, colonialism, imperialism, cultural conflation, sexism, sexual violence and anger. We probably won't get through all of those or talk about all of those things in this episode, but we just wanted to be as open and honest with you guys up front um, so that we didn't really catch... We don't want to catch anyone out, especially if you're having uh, one of those... One of those days, because I know I have them all the time. <laughs> uh, so maybe if I could throw over to Unati for your first thoughts on reading these articles. What I, he said.
1: I mean, I think... I don't know why I was necessarily surprised. I mean, I went to school in Grahamstown, nearby where, nearby um, to the place where Tolkien sort of lived for a while. Hogsback is now what it's called. Apparently, it was called Worcester during the colonial times. So, um, so for me Tolkien I always had a 10 years relationship with Tolkien in the first place just because um, all of the books The Lord of the Rings Submarillion the, um, the Hobbit they were all set books for us at school
0: oh no yes. so it
1: felt like labour the quickest, <laughs> way, yeah, to to quickest ru- way to ruin <laughs> uh, yep, any yep. book
0: quickest way to ruin any book
2: assigned in school we had the yeah. hobbit we had the hobbit at my school yeah. we had to read the hobbit
1: so so i mean it, it was difficult that i had to like work my way back into that sort of that um that genre and that fandom mm. but i think i don't know why i was necessarily surprised um that it would have sort of imperialist and um, colonist, um connotations just because it's very difficult to remove an author from from their times from their society mm. and what they're reflecting even if it is just fantasy so I guess when I read it when I read it when I when when sort of um, Jeremy shared the articles, my first instinct was, yo, oh, this just made me very tired. Oh Jesus. Okay. Here we go. Another thing. Okay. <laughs> Good. Good. Yeah. That is it.
2: That is it. Spiritual <laughs> fortitude.
1: <thing>. Okay. <laughs> Great. <laughs>
2: Oh, so that was
1: that was my yeah that was my initial reaction was like oh Mm. my god uh, why am I surprised (laughs) just
0: just a a resigned sigh.
2: (laughs) I want to
1: take a nap now. Um, I think
2: you touched on something there, which I think actually might be a really good sort of first talking point, Mm. which is this is just fantasy. So why does it matter? This is something that uh, James explores expertly, in my opinion, Mm. throughout these articles, Mm. which is about the fact that uh, fantasy is a reflection of society and that the way we treat these fantasy characters, the stereotypes that we put on them has a real world impact and implication Mm. and therefore allows people to, um, sort of propagate those stereotypes in society Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. and especially within fandoms i think about we talk a lot about making this show was about us wanting to wanting to make everyone feel welcome and included Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. so when these stereotypes are still being propagated it's going to go some way to stopping people from feeling like an included part of this community Mm -hmm.
0: i think it's also important to point out that even if those things aren't intentional just when you make something up anything you make up is going to come from you and it's yeah, going to have sure. some basis whether consciously or not in your experiences and the things you've been exposed to every day and mm-hmm. sometimes it's intentional like in the case of star wars where they the stormtroopers are called stormtroopers and the mm-hmm. the darth vader's helmet looks like a samurai helmet and those things but Sometimes it's unintentional. And I think it's still important to recognize that those implications can still be there, regardless of whether or not you or any creator intended for them to be
2: there. Absolutely. And I think that uh, no, uh, acknowledging that the people who are directly implicated, and in this instance, uh, with this first article, it goes into talking about how the... Um, the orc race was designed by tolkien to reflect uh, that of asian culture or this sort of very uh, mysterious um idea of uh, the asian threat as it was called at the time um that that people will see those uh things in themselves as in people will notice them just because mm-hmm. you haven't i think mean, that's something that i really learned during uh, ingesting these articles was that i have never once made that connection but that doesn't mean that other people haven't or that other people aren't making those connections and therefore then taking mm-hmm. them in very making them very internal internalized reactions mm-hmm. um and then yeah. it, therefore making it very hard for them to access this kind of um material mm-hmm.
0: Yeah, and in Tolkien's case, it was intentional. Yes, yeah. the article opens with a quote from a, a letter that Tolkien himself wrote that says, "...the orcs are definitely stated to be corruptions of the human form seen in elves and men. They are, or were, squat, broad, flat-nosed, sallow-skinned, with wide mouths and slant eyes. In fact, degraded and repulsive versions of the, to Europeans, least lovely Mongol types." Which... Yeah, that quote. Whoa. That's...
1: You see why I'm tired? You see why I'm tired? It doesn't get much more
0: blatant than that. <laughs>
1: you see why I'm tired?
0: <laughs> it's, from the, it's
2: from the man. <laughs> I got tired yeah. reading that.
0: Uh, we may need to take a break. Yeah. <laughs>
2: yeah. Um. But I think, so uh, to to speak on a more, uh, potentially a more hopeful note, if mm. I may, um, which is that the idea that you, Unati, had mentioned earlier about the idea of separating an author from their work, yeah. uh, and what I think has happened uh, a lot now, especially within minority uh, groups who have okay. flocked to uh, fantasy settings, fantasy worlds, uh, anime, all these sorts mm. of things, um, that is there something to be said about reclaiming this kind of uh, work and that it almost becomes then owned by uh, everyone and not just the select few that the author originally intended it for? Yeah. Um... What, yeah, what do you guys think?
3: This HeadGum podcast is brought to you by Auraframes. That is right. Uh, from grandmothers to new mothers. Aunts, even the friends of your life, every mom loves an Aura Frame. Holy shit, even aunts? Yes, especially aunts. Oh, wow. Well. Because... It was named the best digital photo frame by Wirecutter and selected as one of Oprah's favorite things. I mean, these aura frames are guaranteed to bring joy to moms of all ages. I believe it. You have an aura frame, don't you? Yes, I actually more than believe it. I know it. Uh, I've got one for my mom, my mother-in-law, my grandmother-in-law. And dare I say your aunt? And dare you say my aunt and my aunt-in-law everyone's got one, everyone loves them. I mean, Mother's Day is right around the corner and there's no better gift than a digital photo frame. You give them the frame, it's got preloaded pictures in there and you know what? You can update it with an app so every time you take a new picture of a sweet little HeadGum. It's easy to set up. It's loved by everybody, including Oprah, including your aunt. Mm -hmm. So do check them out. That's A-U-R-A frames dot com. Use code HeadGum at checkout to save. Damn right. And terms and conditions apply, of course. Of course. Thanks again to Aura.
1: CarMax is putting peace of mind back in car shopping by putting you in the driver's seat to find a ride that's right for you. Because at CarMax, we believe you shouldn't just settle for a car. You should love your car. About that, I mean, I think I think that's absolutely necessary, and I and I think and I think almost by by default that's kind of what happens. The moment you ingest, mm. the moment you take something on, and the moment you enjoy something, and you celebrate it for yourself, and you see yourself re- and and you relate to characters in ways, and see yourself see yourself in in sort of protagonists and and the, and the choices that they make, then you you immediately own it, right? Um, mm. but but I do think that when you then start to enter into the discussion with the greater community and go, but hang on a minute guys, can we have a mm. discussion about this and why we need to have an oversimplified uncomplicated threat i.e mm-hmm. orcs um, yeah wh- why why does that need to constantly happen? can't that mm. be more nuanced? And if the, and if the response is always going to be a pushback, it's it's just it's just microaggressions 101 right it's exhausting mm-hmm. it's 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 it it's is. an emotional labor that we really should we really mm. should all be sharing um, out together. I mean there are beautiful elements in, in, in the Lord of the Rings um, and, um, Cerulean and The Hobbit. Beautiful, beautiful, beautiful um, passages about hope and togetherness mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. all manner of things and fighting against a common foe and standing up standing up for justice and what's right. Those things are all good things. No one is now saying that that is trash because because of because of a sort of um because of societal implications mm-hmm. surrounding the author yeah um but um but i do think that when these discussions are then opened up the the immediate sort of in- instinct um sometimes and i generalize here is generally one of of white fragility it's generally like oh no 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 no, no but that's not what i mean oh no 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 no, mm. no no but that's not how i see it oh no no so mm. then you must be wrong yeah. and you've do you know absolutely. what I mean? And, and, and it's it's in that process of dialogue that I think that real yeah. change can happen because then the next time we, we start to look at orcs or the next time we start to look at creating a threatening, um, a threatening entity, we're going to be a little bit more clued up on that and we're going to be a, a little bit more nuanced. Um, uh, yeah.
2: Yeah, absolutely. I think that you've uh, summed up perfectly what, something that I was really interested uh, or really wanted to state. Which is that if you're here listening to this, um, th- th- none of this, none of this discussion is about telling anyone that we shouldn't be enjoying Lord of the Rings or that we shouldn't be doing any of this thing. This is about a, a discussion so we understand the social uh, implications. Um, and the context that in which this work was then mm-hmm. made so that we can then move forward and really own this work. And we can really all mm-hmm. enjoy Lord of the Rings for what it is. Um, because Lord of the Rings is one of my favorite things. Yeah. It's it's one of the, you know, it, the, the movies are some of the best creations in the world. Yeah. Um, does that mean there's not issues with it? Of course not. But doesn't mean that we can't all enjoy it. And I think that that's the main thing is about making sure that everyone can enjoy it. Yeah. As opposed to like James says in this article where he says, Do you know what? Like, I like Lord of the Rings, but I find it very difficult to watch because all I see is, uh, or, or, you know, all I read in the books is people who are supposed Mm -hmm. to look like me and my family running around being barbaric and being, uh, Mm. you know, uh, aggressive or defined by their, exactly, defined by their aggressiveness or, Mm. or exactly, um, or their primitiveness, Mm -hmm. uh, as is uh, often referred.
1: And I mean, I think also um, another thing, like, just to sort of um, jump onto a point that you just made representation matters right yes. mm-hmm. so like it, it really really does i know when i first saw Michonne in the walking dead i was like oh, oh yeah. my goodness i can yep. be a badass superhero right yep. like that was the first i was like okay cool i can see that in 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 my career now i can see that for myself for my future you know in terms of my work um yep. but like if you don't if you don't have that, if you're watching something, and bless them, the movies are incredible, but the entire pro tag line of those films is just all white. Oh yeah. Wonke Wonke is, is white. Is. And you're just like, okay, cool, but like does that mean that like I can't save the world and throw a ring into a hole?
2: It, yeah, mm-hmm. exactly, exactly. <laughs> you know yeah. what I
1: mean? Cause I because I cause I think I can do that. I've got strong legs. I can walk.
2: Mm-hmm. And the and the only <laughs> the only
0: dark skinned people are the monstrous orcs yep. and Urukai yeah. and trolls and things like that? And th- I guess you do eventually see those humans. Am I correct that those humans come from the east specifically? The mercenaries that Sauron the, gets? The, 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 They're Easterlings. The, um, um, the elephant riding um,
2: Eastern yeah. uh, humans who are evil. That How can none of us remember to... this? It's called Easterlings. I've forgotten their name now. No, you Um, haven't. They're called Easterlings. They specifically do come from the East. I think they're called Riders from the East or something. No, you're so close. They're called Easterlings, Jasper. (sighs) Anyway, I'm just recording this little bit after the fact. I just wanted to throw out one quick fact as well, is that when I Googled the name Easterlings, uh, after I finally remembered what they were called, they're also referred to in the books as the swathy Men, which means dark complexioned. Uh, So don't know if you can get much more on the nose than that. Anyway... Back to the episode, and again, there is very specific Asian connotations for the way they look, the way they dress. Yeah, um, and I think that this is this is one of the biggest things that jumped out to me from these articles, which is that you have to be aware when you are making direct references to culture inside these things you cannot it's not good enough to say this is just fantasy when you're quite clearly directly referencing a people yeah. and then shining that in a bad light it is perfectly okay to celebrate culture within these things but when you're intentionally pulling apart someone's culture to point at the or to point at most of the time made up or uh, um uh, ideas and stereotypes of that culture that's where we get mm-hmm. to really sticky water yeah so for instance having uh, uh the the riders from the east come in and be this very terrifying very evil faceless you know no uh guilt needs to be felt in killing these uh, uh guys that ride on their elephants uh because they are bad mm. and clearly representative of asians and this was even within mm-hmm. the films which i think probably got away a little bit more from the idea of orcs as a, an asian stereotype but we can yeah. D- yeah. talk about what they replaced it with <laughs> in the next episode <laughs> yeah. um but then you go ahead and do that there's, there's, you're perpetuating the issue and if not, making it, uh, if not making it worse. Yeah,
1: and this idea of a martial race, like I've heard this statement yes, a lot, like I mean. and mm-hmm. especially coming from southern Africa, like you hear the term like Shaka Zulu thrown around so much and the writings mm. from the British imperialistic um, sort of view of Shaka as this like as the Zulu people as just a war like, war mongering people purely because we just showed them their asses in one battle, even because they were stupid and they arrived to africa in bright red coats with shiny white helmets and then they tried with with like shiny bits on the top and then they thought they could hide of course we took them out with sticks and shields of course we did you morons you're hot this is you are burning it's hot outside the sun is burning there's no shade there's no shade (laughs) So, I mean, uh,
0: you're throwing some shade right now. I'm
1: doing a lot of shade throwing. So this idea of like the martial <laughs> race, because then I look at my culture, I'm like, yeah, but that's not all we are. We, mm-hmm. we we also ce- we celebrate nature. Um, we have a close relationship. Our our sort of pantheon is an overarching is an overarching idea of a great god that then is then, then nature is looked over by sub creatures who then take care of that. Like we have we have beautiful um, uh, ideas about matriarchy and, and and the the rearing of children. We have mm. interesting ways in terms of how we deal with people who are in, um, experiencing poverty and loss in our communities. It's so much more mm-hmm. nuanced than that than just a bunch yep. of people you know, um, uh, going out to war. Like, yeah, th- yeah. I, 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 I resent then... the idea of the martial race completely. Yeah.
0: We, Absolutely. we have that in the States too. Uh, big time, like especially, uh, historically uh, surrounding native Americans, mm. yeah. the way that they have been depicted and talked about in American society, the fact that there are still so many sports teams named after them, um, I mean, I'm from Cincinnati, so we have the Cincinnati Reds, which is just red stockings but there's north North Ohio there's the Cleveland Indians uh, and for any of you who have never seen the Cleveland Indians logo uh, it's yep. worth checking it out because it's uh, it's something. Um, and yeah there's uh, so many contra- there's so much controversy about that. Uh, all throughout the u.s but also i would say that black americans have long been viewed as a form of a martial race and still are especially in regards to uh sports Mm. that's like the main manifestation of it now Mm. you see that the the more quote unquote aggressive sports in america specifically football and uh basketball which isn't like aggressive but it's it's more aggressive than baseball oh. and you, or uh, you could also uh, and if, consider, I could, uh, if I could jump in oh, I could, yeah, go really ahead.
2: quickly, just uh, even to push this even further. Um, if you look at American football, for instance, the celebrated uh, quarterbacks, which is the less violent role within the team, <laughs> always, usually yeah. always, white. you right. look at Drew Brees, uh, for yeah. instance, players like that, these white roles, whereas your big, uh, your big uh, like uh, defenders are always, you yep. know, uh, characterized. It's the these, running backs, the
0: wide receivers, exactly, the, the lines, the that that ones that yeah. can run or do you titans. know what I mean so yeah
2: Take just damage, to, yeah. even to to to, to, to yeah. illustrate that point even further um yeah if I could jump back quickly to the Marshall race point that Unati and and yourself was talking about because uh, there is an a, there is a quote um uh from Major General Carl Philipp Gottfried von Clausewitz. oh for goodness sake Woo! <laughs>
0: I'm definitely going to be using that for a... That is, yeah, <laughs>
2: let's <laughs> reclaim history, guys. <laughs> let's, let's Hamilton this guy. <laughs> make, him, yeah. make him like, yeah, absolutely.
0: <laughs> What's your name, man? Major General Carl Philip Gottfried von Klauswitz.
2: <laughs> <laughs> you are a shoe in for the next recast, my friend. Um, so he wrote this in a, a seminal uh, 1832 military science manual on war. Um... In a chapter called Military Genius. Uh, I won't read the whole passage. It's quite long, but uh, there's a few choice uh, sentences I wanted to read out, which is, in any primitive warlike uh, warlike race, the warrior spirit is far more common than among civilized peoples. Mm, okay. um, there's a few mm-hmm. uh, other things going into what it is to be civilized and how they are different, but this one really got me. Possession of military genius coincides with higher degrees of civilization. The most highly developed societies produce the most brilliant soldiers, as the Romans, the French have, the Romans and the French have showed us. Now, if this isn't some straight up lies, I have, like, I,
1: mm.
2: can we talk about the fact? Rome, the Genghis Khan <laughs> rolled straight through and had one of the largest empires in history because they were incredible military geniuses. Is, dude, like I... we, it is man it, it, it is so frustrating when we come at the um, and what happens is this stuff gets written down in books, it gets put in imperial war museums, and this is the kind of thing that we are told throughout uh in in our uh teachings in when we're when we're children when we're at school. this is what we're told, and I think that it goes to the point what I would say sorry jeremy uh it goes to the oh, point yeah, of intent versus um sorry it goes to the point where, where just even if something is not intentionally put in as racist does not mean that someone will not read something like this a statement like this and then completely internalize that and assume that there must be a level of barbarism to themselves or to their own culture yeah. and this is where the issue realized for a pe- person of color i think if you're getting taught this if this is in your school books this is what you're taught is this is fact in these books is is fact Liars. this is the sort of thing that maybe not to that degree <laughs> was taught was taught mm-hmm. in my school yeah yeah was mm-hmm. the 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 French and the Romans were these incredible uh like mathematicians and they approached combat in an yeah. in, in ingenious way and Genghis Khan just raped and pillaged his way across uh you know the continent. and you go and, yeah. and 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 it couldn't be further from the truth if you dig into the history of it yeah. Yeah. uh sorry Jeremy I jump yeah
0: I was gonna say that I'm really glad you read that quote because it reminded me of this so just listening to the language of the quote that you just read listen this is the description that i believe it's um oh volo's guide to monsters uh where that the actual official or description of the playable orc race uh it says um to feel the thunder of orcish war drums outside the gate and to hear a chorus of voices growling grumsh is the nightmare of every civilized place in the world for no matter how thick its walls, skilled its archers, or brave its knights, few settlements have ever withstood a, few, a full-scale onslaught of orcs. And it goes on to talk about how strong they are. They can There are hulking foes that can cleave through a warrior with a single blow. Uh, they can, Part of a force that can cut down enemies as though they were trembling stalks of wheat before the scythe. Um, and then, savage and fearless, orc tribes are ever in search of elves, dwarves, and humans to destroy. Motivated by their hatred of the civilized races of the world... <laughs> and then it, yeah, I think we could just leave yeah, it there. Yeah, I think we um, I'm already tired.
1: I'm going to take, okay. <laughs> take a nap.
2: It's just going to I think but this is this is exactly it. And for all of our listeners here that are reading, uh, or, sorry, reading this, listening to this, it's about nuance. It's mm. not about saying the orcs cannot be aggressive in your games. That do you know what I mean? It's not. It's about nuance. It's about mm-hmm. giving them the all of that description describes complete barbarism, absolutely no humanity whatsoever. You are not describing a humanoid race. You are describing something of a, like something closer to an animal as opposed to a humanoid, mm-hmm. and that is the biggest difference for me and i think that especially within these articles it is about nuance about making sure that if you're depicting a humanoid race that we are not just throwing out a blanket it's okay to kill these guys because they are complete they're they're just destruction machines and then also to then go and play that character or to go and play that orc, it completely defines how you are told that you can approach that character. There is absolutely oh. no suggestion that you can take that character and you can build it up to be an in, in, intelligent, or that you can build it mm. up to be non-violent, or mm. you could build up. You could like you, like the yeah. idea of taking that description <laughs> and then building a cleric. It would be
0: ridiculous. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. It would
2: ridi- be ridiculous to have an yeah. orc cleric by that description. Yeah. Um, absolutely so it has to it has to be more nuanced that is the that is the key for me it has yeah. to be more nuanced
1: yeah and that's and just getting away i cannot stress this enough just getting away from the idea of sort of homogenized blanket threat just mm. get away from that no mm. war was ever fought against a people who were just who weren't also just minding their own damn business like yep. historically do you know what mm. i mean that has never happened mm-hmm. throughout history Pe- people are nuanced creatures just just obliterate that idea if you're still if you're still at your ripe old age trying to hold on to like the binary of straight good and straight evil then we need to have a discussion mm. we need to sit yeah. down and have a talk because that's not how the world works it's convenient. Mm. It, mm. it, it, it's convenient and in my opinion sometimes very lazy for storytelling that fair enough mm. but like but but if you're going to do that please be aware that you're being lazy you are mm. it's you're being lazy and you're using this for convenience because you want mm-hmm. a simple threat to deal with and you're not thinking about it any further and that is the last piece of shade i will throw at people <laughs>
2: I. Uh, so, I, what was it, the very last part of that? Your Zoom broke up. Uh, we'll get oh on, no! on the recording, but yeah. just so yeah. that we actually know what you said. <laughs> you don't have
3: to, I, like, as it. yeah, it's just for us.
2: <laughs> me we, and I Jasper. Well,
0: that was happening. Me and Jasper both looked up at each other, like, Ooh,
2: is it for you? Is she stopping for you, too?
1: <laughs> yeah, yeah,
2: yeah. <laughs> yeah. I was just looking at Jeremy like don't don't say anything don't ruin her recording, ruin her recording. <laughs>
1: um yeah no I was I was just essentially saying that that is laziness like if yeah. you if you are doing that that is pure laziness um and and, and own that laziness and say you're being mm. lazy and say this isn't right but then but then do the work to at least like try and not make them humanoid don't even bring that implication into the room then yes like exactly. don't e- like like exactly. e- treat them like golems like don't even make them human then like, yeah, or whatever yeah,
2: yeah. Like, Treat treat them as like shadow monsters That came from the dark realm Literally for the destruction of everything yeah. Do you know yeah. what I yeah. mean? Essentially, Essentially. robots have, yeah. yeah, yeah, exactly Because then you can have that clear cut You know, and exactly And in, you know, a thousand years When robots are sentient We'll be having the same conversation About how mm-hmm. we need to remove the idea of robots Yeah but, Exactly but no, no, but it, it, Exactly it, it, Jeff Niumir
1: covers that very well In the Ascender and Descender Chronicles
2: Well, there you go <laughs> um, Yeah but i think i think that you're exactly exactly right with that point um and
0: uh, i i have an anecdote actually that even mm. um uh, well not aside from just all the examples that i can think of of players actually of various the players themselves being of various races talking about when they're playing a potentially evil race talk about the, and their character starts to do something evil they talk about it being in their character's nature because of their race aside from those examples uh are mm was also an instance where I was playing in a game and we were fighting some goblins and one of the goblins got disembowelled and it was oh. such a the person who disemboweled them it was uh, they were very artistic this uh, the the PC uh, mm. and the goblin looked down at its intestines and went beautiful and then died and the one of the players got really like it kind of threw them for a loop that moment of apparent humanity being shown from goblins it wasn't mm. it wasn't the disemboweling that threw them off it was the it was Ooh. the reaction and the fact that this goblin suddenly mm-hmm. seemed like a person who had who'd just seen something and been like yeah. whoa and it, they they really were like whoa cuz yeah, i yeah. i think they're used to playing in games where these creatures aren't really people uh yeah. and yeah go ahead
2: I think more to my uh, or more to our advice as well is that if you want to have uh, a campaign in where in which your um, in which your characters don't uh, confront mm. the moral quandary, then I think that, like United you know, you said, you need to go down the path of. Going like pure monster. Don't introduce the idea of humanoid at all. But I think Mm. that you even, even in a sense that like you, it's so easy. And this is why I think United probably uh, uh, correct me if I'm wrong Mm. said that it's lazy. It's so easy to create a a more complex character to give a a character or an army or a race or a leader or anything Mm. a sense of inner conflict about what they're doing, Mm. or even a sense of justification. Mm. Because I think Mm. even that is sometimes lost is that even if you give that big bad character a sense of justification as to why they are doing this thing yeah. because they are doing it because they were slighted or they because they were uh, because they want to liberate their people or because or, you know mm-hmm. whatever the player characters can still absolutely want nothing more than to murder and disembowel this 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 person for their transgressions or for what they have done but at least they had a cause at least mm-hmm. there is a moment where the player character has to go okay do i agree with this person do i see their point of view or do i reject it because i think that it is not morally acceptable or does not fit within my moral compass as a player character not yeah. just like in, in generically uh, uh, on the whole this person is just bad and i can tell by looking at them I think yeah. that is what we absolutely need to get away from with with all uh, uh, fantasy, uh, not just D&D, um, yeah. you know, whether it's sci-fi, anything like that. Yeah,
1: because I mean, like, I mean, w- you do this at drama school, right, like everybody's got a super objective, no? Like everything. Mm-hmm. Everybody mm-hmm. has a super mm-hmm. objective, right? Mm. So you like, I don't and 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 fine, like, like to, 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 to sort of further um, further to your point, uh, fine, you can still want to kill them. But then the reasons are complex. Yes. then mm-hmm. then we start getting into actual play then we're not just running around um uh, manning avatars now we're actually mm. dealing with pe- yeah. people and mm-hmm. characters right mm. you know what i mean and it's not you're not mm-hmm. just running like a, a, a signifier for something you're actually mm. now dealing yeah. with a, a complex idea and you're you're having to go into yourself and go yeah i understand this person's reasons for doing x y and z, uh, z were a b c but unfortunately their people did abc to and now i have to do xyz to them and that is yeah. how and that's how war, war works because we, yeah we, yeah i mean you know i mean i've never fought in a battle um, I, I've never, you know, trained. In, like I'm just like saying that, obviously.
2: Unati does lessons in kung fu. Okay, Unati would serve you up. Let me tell you that right now.
1: But but,
0: but she's a one woman army.
1: <laughs> her her gems and she has
0: enough jewels. Yeah, she oh can buy gosh, an army if, if need be. They
1: are I'm gonna crush these gems one of these days. But um, but I but I but I think then now now you're in actual now now I feel like oh I'm actually in a story i'm actually in mm. something because i'm being mm-hmm. moved i mean um quick example um a game that i play in um um uh henry kind of henry showed me my true we, we was kind of developing that my character has a dark heritage because she's tiefling and she fights against the bloodline of asmodeus but it's very strong in her but she mm. it's really strong mm. in her um, and she fights against it. And she, she cuts down her horns every morning to try to look like Tablin. And she's working through that like character arc of like not accepting herself. Um, mm. And now mm. finds her in a, herself in a space where she is accepted um, and how has to navigate that personal journey of finally allowing her, her horns and all of her glo- glory to show. But he gave us a vision of, of, a, of a future where somehow Utamsan like gets a great sword (laughs) but the bloodline of Asmodeus flows through her completely she's like turned even more devilkin in her appearance she's got claws and she lays waste to an entire army single-handedly and then her little kitty cat that she loves comes up to her and sees her in her true form like hair like horns completely out eyes on fire horns on fire like looking terrifying but still loves her regardless and isn't bothered (laughs) And then comes and sits on her chest and then he killed my cat he killed <gasps> my cat oh, sorry wow. that was a side note but i'm still like reeling from mm. the fact that like I, I burst into flames and kill my own cat
2: that is oh ooh, no that is, that is deep i think that you're illustrating a perfect point though as well as a dm if you want to get more investment out of your characters like this is exactly the way to do it There were is actual if, yeah, exactly. We, well, yeah, kill their cats. No, don't don't, don't, don't kill their cats. Don't <laughs> kill all of their yeah, cats. Like... Give
0: every player a cat. And then in real life, give every player no. a cat. No! <laughs>
2: No, no. <laughs> um, uh, no, but what I what I mean by this is that um, the moral quandary, mm. uh, the the giving the players moral quandary and allowing them to see their opponents and their foes as complex allows them as PCs to then become more complex. Yeah. Uh, it yeah. gives them permission to then become more complex, and what you then do mm. is you ask the PCs to bring their own experiences to the table, and it's not just yours. Mm. So that what actually you yeah. end up with is inherently, even if you're an all-white table, you like the DM and all of you are, are white. You're going to be bringing effectively a multicultural sort of facet to the game because you're going to be inviting all of your players to invest in the world mm. and to bring something of their own experiences, which will all inherently be different. Mm-hmm. Unless, of course, you're like five brothers who brought up in the same, <laughs> you know, brothers and who brought up in the same house who do exactly the same thing every single day. <laughs> so you're going to have an air of uh, oh, there is going madness? to be multicultural yeah. <laughs> yeah exactly if you're the manson family then perhaps you won't <laughs> right have multicultural Earth. flavor manson
0: family. <laughs> uh i have actually a, a small uh, quick story about uh, from a dm's perspective of an example of this we i think it was the first time we'd ever had yeah it was the first time we'd ever had goblins show up in our game and it was on one of the player's uh, her the, one of the PCs was getting married, and it was the day of her wedding. And there was like a stampede of these gig- of Aurochs, these gigantic cows, through the village. And the PCs had to deal with them. And when they finally, uh, you know, got them to leave and everything, they discovered that all of the silver in the town had been stolen, uh, including her silver wedding ring. And so they immediately like went to go track down what had happened. They found goblin tracks. Uh, they saw that goblins had set an ambush for them to, uh, and they fought the goblins. Partway through the battle, they discovered that the goblins had stolen the silverware because one of their friends, Ken, his name was Ken, uh, had been bitten by some kind of lycanthrope and they, they weren't exactly sure how to do it, but they had heard that silver, was able to cure lycanthropy or d- was able to do something against lycanthropy. So they had basically stampeded these cows into the village to try and create a diversion so they could get some silver to help their friend. And these goblins had also been displaced by a full on lycanthrope invasion. So they'd had to. They were basically refugees that were trying to save their friend, Ken. See, this is uh, well, this and is it good. immediately turned into like <laughs> Ken and the, the player's relationships to those goblins. Uh, and, and they weren't just all goblins, there was also. Um, uh, Hobgoblin, Captain Hondar, and and some bugbears and so on. and they, it, But it became like, they became friends with these refugees and it became like a mu- much more, uh, I think, satisfying and interesting experience for everybody as a result. Now, theoretically, they could have been like, nah, I'm still mad, you stole the silverware. Let's. K-. Oh, they also had kids with them, which is another thing. You never see these people with kids. Uh, so yeah. they had kids with them. <laughs> so they could have theoretically just killed all of them and been like, nah, you shouldn't have taken the silverware. But they... It, they would have, if they'd done that, it would have been an informed choice. They would have been killing people. They wouldn't have just yep. been killing some group of mindless creatures. Yeah, uh, yeah. yeah. So that's an I, example. I,
2: I... I think as well, it's always good to say uh, that it, we're not saying this is an easy thing to do. We're saying as uh, as people of color, as DMs, we struggle with this. I know I struggle with this all the time. It's a difficult balance to find. And you will always look back and go, oh, mm, that wasn't great. Or yeah, OK, I could have done better there. So it's not about this isn't about suddenly running the most flawless, you know, non-problematic campaign ever. Because also <laughs> the, the, this, is what we're, this is what we're pointing out with this article, the foundations of this very thing are problematic which is Mm -hmm. why it is going to be difficult and it's going to be a process but it's about conversation it's about dialogue which is how we move forward and which is why uh uh, james we thank you so much for this article because they are incredible um Uh, yeah, they are indeed you. banging uh and uh we i think we're probably uh good to wrap up here uh as mm-hmm. we already have already spoken for quite a while on this particular one we're going to move on to uh another article in uh a later episode um Which goes more into D&D specifically and what happened when we took the uh, British um, Tolkien uh, sort of um, influence and we moved it over to America and the creation of D&D happened and how Mm. uh, these sort of racial issues were tackled Mm. there. Um, but uh, thank you so much We really enjoyed discussing these articles There's so much more that we could have dug into mm. As well I'm already thinking of And looking at my notes and thinking Oh we didn't uh, d- get onto this uh, yeah. So let us know uh, how you've enjoyed this episode We probably uh, will do many more On article, either this article Or uh, other articles like this mm. um, So thank you very much For listening uh, I hope you've enjoyed and learned some fun uh, Things Uh, And some not-so-fun things. (laughs) Um, (laughs) uh, Yeah. Uh, And, uh, yeah, make sure you tune in for the next episode. Thank you very much. Bye. 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 Major
0: General Karl-Philip Gottfried von Clausewitz.